Elvis, 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 Ladies and gentlemen, the good times have been had and the bad times have been had because it's easy come, easy go. And that's the movie we're watching today. Welcome back to Elvis. My name is Morgan. This is Matt. Let's get into it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Th first thoughts. Easy come, easy go. That's the movie. When was it made and why? Okay. That's a lot. Okay. Well, let me, let me yeah. take that one at a time. <laughs> first, thoughts. first thoughts. Yeah. This movie is not good, but it does have, and I don't know. Let's see if you'll figure out what I'm talking about. It has my favorite moment. Like I literally laughed. Of anything we've watched, it's not an Elvis moment. It's a, it's a background character. He has a line in one scene, and I rewound it immediately after because I went, "Oh my god, did that what is that?" What, what? And then I checked and I did it a few more, and it's it's very good. I may have missed it. Okay, I don't I th I don't know. Like I said, that's fair enough because it, it like it, it's it just goes by. Yeah. So that's yeah. First thought, it's 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 better than some, <laughs> I guess. Uh, Matt's first thought, ladies and gentlemen, it's not that bad, and there's one good part in it. <laughs> That's all and you actually, need sometimes. The sad thing about this series is that this is a successful movie because there's at least one good thing to look forward to. I, I liked it. I thought it wasn't too, too bad. Yeah, there was some cool underwater photo uh, photography, which yeah, is nice. Yeah, the underwater see. was nice. Music wasn't that bad. Some of the songs were really like, <laughs> okay. We'll get into the music because there's actually a very interesting, specifically for this movie's soundtrack, oh. there's, there's an element that maybe you noticed mayhap okay was it that elvis was singing all, um in the songs <laughs> no it has to do uh, with Shiza. A, a type of song that is not on this soundtrack that is on every other elvis movie soundtrack oh uh, was there no ballad there was no slow love ballad wow it's the only one wow crazy okay but when was this made what was what was the deal yeah, yeah why so Why this got this released March twenty second, nineteen sixty seven, which, if you'll recall, was early for a beach movie. Was only two weeks before last week's Double Trouble, right? Which means, of course, that this movie made more money than Double Trouble did because why would you release a movie two weeks apart and then it's obviously going to like eat the box office of the other because people are like, I right, just yeah. had my Elvis fix. Yes, true. You know what's funny? Yes. Do you know what's really funny though is that I, I don't fucking remember a single thing of Double Trouble. That was the. I just can't, I'm just drawing a. Total they were in blank Belgium, right now. and there was like diamond thieves, and there was like. A, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I got. That it. was the only one that actually did something different a bit. That's it. It was actually really different. That's how you know these movies are not that great because even the ones that are stand out, you're like, wait a minute, what? What did I watch? Again? <laughs> they were gonna rot your brain, kids. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paramount Pictures. Nice. Halby Wallace, you know the, the great. crew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back at it. Yeah. What about you? I mean, I guess we kind of both went back yeah, and forth. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. I could stand to put it on again. I wouldn't have to, like, gouge my eyes out. I don't want to watch it again. But, um, you know, if they were going to chain me up to a chair and duct tape my eyelids open, I wouldn't be upset if this movie came on. <laughs> I should be a film critic. <laughs> okay, yeah, I had to just double check because I, for some reason, had written it down. This is the last Paramount picture. Elvis and at the last one that Halby Wallace produces. Get him out of here, boys. We're done. You know who else Get is the last? Get him out of here. Norman oh. Torog. Nope. <laughs> Shit. He did not have anything to do with this one. Oh, 
Good. But we're just going to jump into the writers because both right. Alan Weiss and Anthony Lawrence, they're back and now they're done. Back at it. Alan Weiss, this wow. is his sixth out of six for Elvis. Mm-hmm. And Anthony Lawrence, this is his third out of three. Wow. Crazy. Alan Weiss literally only did seven films. So six of them were Elvis movies. The only one he did that wasn't Elvis was a 1965 movie called The Sons of Katie Elder. That's like a Western. Weird. Yeah. Strange. Let's talk about the director real quick. Okay. Yeah. Is the same. This What's is he John, like? Is John Rich, the man so nice they named him twice. <laughs> no. Rich is not a name. Whose name is Rich? Short for Richard. Are you not going to count oh. a shortened form of no. a name? No. No, because it's... Imagine, imagine she's just no, angry I that I, I stole it from her because she was gonna say it it's no i you, i wasn't gonna say it because it doesn't count and so i'm mad because you're too foolish to understand the concept of a good joke when you see one that's i feel like you changed the rules to, to suit your own needs i didn't i didn't name me one time that i've said a name on here and was like the man's so nice they named him twice except his last name isn't really a last name because it's half of a full name We've done like 25 episodes. There's definitely a part you slipped up. I just don't have time to double check. I'll accept that. Okay. The judge has overruled. Yeah, I'll the accept that. director is John Rich. He did Roustabout. Ah. This is his second Elvis film. Two of two, he's, he's done after this. He also directed a 1965 movie called Boeing, Boeing. Oh. Which is a comedy with Jerry Lewis and Tony Curtis, where Jerry Lewis actually plays the straight man for once. He's kind of like just, not serious, but he's the more put together tony curtis is the whoa and he's kind of over the top right because he's bouncing around between three different stewardesses that's really weird it's a it's a that's too many stewardesses. literally it's labeled it's a bedroom farce which was the, the, the style of the time a bedroom farce yes and uh Susanna lee from yes paradise wine style is also in boeing boeing oh she's the stewardess for british airways because there's three different there's one from like air france there's one from a german line yes and then there's the british one i see who wins i don't know i haven't seen this movie oh it's too bad do you think there's maybe like do they fight each other and there's like a karate scene where they like kick each other and then the one that has like the most karate skills that she wins is it like that i'm almost certain it isn't because oh. that would be an actually interesting movie yeah that's too bad oh well I should be a screenwriter. <laughs> you should pick up all the, the, the skills. If there's anything that watching all these Elvis movies will teach you is that you're like, I could do this. This is yeah, nothing. For sure. What absolutely. are these people even doing? Anyways. <laughs> Asleep at the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about the cinematographer. Okay. Uh, What's he like? He's pretty cool. Yeah. His name is William Margulies. Oh, Margulies? Margulies. Margulies. Yes. Nice. Crazy. He does the next film we're going to do as well, next week's, Clambake. Okay, cool. So back-to-back, or only back-to-back because we switched the order production-wise, but... Yes, yeah. Nonetheless, he did the cinematography for three movies with Don Knotts, including a 1966 movie called The Ghost and Mr. Chicken, which is (laughs) a goofy tale where Don Knotts has to stay the night in a haunted house. It's like if they had done the whole Scooby-Doo plot for the entirety of Tickle Me instead of just at the last, like, 20 minutes. This is that (laughs) movie. I gotcha. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Okay, let's get to the alternate titles before we move on to other things because right. this one has a bunch. Oh, okay. So if you can re- remember back all the way to Girls, Girls, Girls. Yes. One of the proposed alternate titles. How for, could I forget? I know. For Girls, Girls, Girls was <laughs> A Girl in Every Port. Yeah. And that one was also almost used for this. Oh. But once they... This is... The title's so nice they rejected it twice is what had happened here. <laughs> there you go. Ah, comedy comes in three. He's got it. We did it. Uh, but then there's <laughs> Wrap three, <it> up. <laughs> three other titles. 
Okay. Easy does it. Yep. Which is all right. that's kind of yeah, that's not bad. Nice and easy. Just like uh, okay. okay, okay, all right. And then Port of Call, which I think makes the most sense. It's also the name of the boat. I mean, you, know, you could have done stuff. Sure. Um, and then it's I got kind of... two French titles yeah. for you because there's the oh. Canadian French title, and then there's the oh. France French. Okay, here I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Here it is. Here's okay. Here's the France French one. Je suis an Elvis film, and then here's the Quebec one. Je la Elvis film tabernacle. <laughs> wow, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> What are they? So the Canadian French title is Qui trouve garde. Yeah. Which is literally like if just literal from it is who finds keeps, aka finders <laughs> keepers is probably what you'd go with. Gotcha. Which actually honestly okay. is a better title, I think, than any of these. Yeah, I think so too. Finders Keepers is definitely makes way more sense thematically. Once again though, it's it's not the title of a song, so they went with, you know, Easy Come Easy Go, because it's right. a title track. Right, right, right. And then the French one is Trois gars, deux filles et un trésor, which is, you know, three guys, two girls, and a treasure. Yeah, I can count on Francais. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so are they is the third guy? Because there's like Elvis and then there's like the bully like rival. And then I'm like, is the third yeah. guy his buddy who owns the club? I guess so. It has to be, right? Because there's also Captain Jack, but Captain Jack is like just the, the buffoon yeah, older I guy. Think, yeah, I think I think Captain Jack's a side character. It's, um, so that one leads to more questions than answer. I'm like, whatever. Bad title. It's tricky, yeah. Let's talk about Elvis's character's name. Yeah. He's Ted Jackson. I think so. I think that's pretty high up there. Ted Jackson. If you want to be technical about it, he's like Lieutenant Ted Jackson as well because he's part of the Navy. Yeah, true. I like it. At, um, yeah, no, I think that works. I think that could be somewhere like in the high 20s or like low 10s, like nine. Wait, no, like like between like 15 and 25 for sure, if not higher, because I haven't reviewed the list in a long time. Yeah. God, there's going to be too many names that we have to deal with when we have to do the final. It's going to be really messed list. up. And I haven't been keeping track and it's just it's going to get really, really wild. Maybe that's what we should do at our our special. We'll just iron out the names. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Right. Okay. Do you want to you want to take over the plot? I'll I'll give you the synopsis and then you can Yeah, sure. Tell me what really happened cuz these synopsis are yeah. always The plot is dumb. So It's a yeah. Okay, I, I, IMDb says <laughs> yeah. Navy Frogman, although Elvis specifically says, "No, I'm an explosive ordnance disposal man." Thank you very much. Yeah. But that's the, exactly what somebody who has the name ordnance in their title would say. Just saying. Yeah. But Navy Frogman Ted Jackson balances his time between twin careers as a deep sea diver and a nightclub singer. During a dive, he spots a sunken treasure and returns with hope of retrieving it. That's your setup. All right. Yeah. So he, he's on a job and he goes underwater and he finds a boat. And then he's like, ah, oh, there's a boat here and it has money in it, maybe, because it looks like shiny, shiny coin coin. And then he's like, boss, hey, boss, or some guy that he likes, the guy that he's friends with at the bar. He's like, yo, I found shiny, shiny money coin. And the guy's like, yeah, whatever. So what? And he's like, I need shiny, shiny money dollar bills bills to pay for the expedition to go get the money coin. It's good money and it's good for you. And there's a girl and the boat that they find it on like belongs to that girl's grandfather mm -hmm. or potentially great grandfather. I can't remember. I think it's just her grandfather. And she's like a, I don't know, like a, a hippie. She's a free spirit. She's, <laughs> yeah, she's a free spirit. Yeah. And she's like 
bro, money isn't everything, you know? Sometimes it's just, like, not even, like, worth it or whatever. Like, just live free or whatever, dude. Like, it's cool. And Elvis is like, yeah, totally. I certainly don't want to find out where your boat is for money reasons. So why don't you tell me where it is? And she's like, okay. And then she, then they go on a boat trip together. And she's like, let's go see the boat. And he's like, for money, money. And she's like, no. <laughs> and then they get mad at each other and have an argument. And while they're arguing, the other mean money, money people come over. And they say, we want the money, money boat too. And we're here to mess your shit up. And they pull out their AK-47s. <laughs> And they blast the Oh, at this point, Morgan had fallen asleep and had a great dream about the better version of this no, movie. No, what actually happens is they show up and they're like, we're going to, what's what's in there? What are you hiding in the ocean or whatever? And they're like, nothing. Leave us alone. We're fishing. And then they get in touch with the captain whose gear they borrowed for the expedition. And it's like, you know, they lied to you. And, and actually, it's it's my boat and, and my stuff and, and whatever. And yeah. so you can't, that's a bad, Elvis a bad guy. And they're like, the captain's like, oh, I believe you, young sir. Very good. The treasure belongs to you. And the guy's like, oh, shit, it was fucking treasure? That's so fucking tight. And then he goes and he's like, takes all the stuff and machinery or whatever to go like do the diving. And everybody's all upset and mad about it. And then they have this ridiculous scene where some guy does an art installation with Elvis's car. God, it sounds like I'm making this shit up, doesn't it? Totally, I'm making it up. Uh, no. And then um, they have to drive this weird car. And it's not a good time. And it's a useless plot device that they could have just actually done a better job of writing that they didn't do because they're fucking lazy and they hate us. They eventually get to the boat or whatever. And they, like, dive down. And then they fisticuffs underwater. There's an underwater fight, which is pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, fisticuff underwater, and then um, Elvis saves the day by blowing air into the guy's suit that he's wearing, and it makes him float up to the surface, and he's like, oh, dagnabbit, now I can't get the, the money money because my suit's all full of air. No! And then uh, there's a girl, too, and she's like, I want the money money. No, 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 she was never in it for the money money. The evil girl's thing is that she's just like... She's just in it for the kill. She's a thrill seeker. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, yeah. I just she's like just danger. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. I just want to fuck shit up. Yeah. I, I appreciate that, though. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, nice. So they get all the money coins, they bring it to the money coin guy who's going to tell them how much it's worth and he's like it's not worth shit because y'all are so stupid because you don't even know that these dumb money money coins are not even real money money they're just fake money money the little copper copper money no silver yeah, bad they money, thought it none. was silver it's actually copper nothing but copper and he's like i'll give you 33 cents per tiny little coin and they're like oh that makes me real sad and then they bully the captain into giving his share of money to build a commune for the hippies to live in the end pretty much i did a great rendition of that movie my rendition of the movie is way more entertaining than actually watching the movie on yourself. So subscribe, like, and comment. <laughs> My rendition of the movie will be like, once again, you you fools have focused on the wrong thing. If it was just Elvis yeah. perplexed by Artist Commune for like 90 minutes of just- A whole movie? That would have been amazing. That would have been so fucking amazing. Because that here therein lies the scene, the best scene in the movie. Yes. Which to be fair, almost comes after the scene where I was like, oh, uh, okay, so there's, let's get in, no, let's do the songs because then we'll get into, we'll get to that. Okay, all right. How many songs were in this film, Morgan? 13. Nope. Higher or lower? Cut that in half. Oh, uh, well, you can't because 13 is not divisible by two. I know. So like round down. Six. Yes. Okay. With one song cut. So really it is like six and a half if you think about okay. it that way. <laughs> if we're talking about imaginary numbers. Sure. 
So there's the title track, Easy Come, Easy Go. Gotcha. It was fine. Which I will appreciate when, like, he sings the lyrics and that's when the title, like, drops onto the screen. Yeah, that was nice, but also the titles, they didn't look that great. Like, the title no. cards did, like, uh, like they, they really, really didn't look Very that boring, great. just some font. Yeah, super boring. It looked like the end of the movie. It looked like the opening of an anime. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, that sounds <laughs> dope. That, that didn't look like... That oh my cool god! F- I have to edit. I have to edit like an Elvis opening theme. <laughs> you should do it. Oh my god, that'd be so amazing. Oh shit, that would be so great. Okay. Okay. Anyway, on. Song number two, which is a, a problematic yikes scene called yeah, the, the, the Love problem. Machine. <laughs> Let's talk about. So it. wait, he Let's talk his about his Navy dudes, him and his buddies. It, it almost looks like it's going to be a remake of On the Town with Gene Kelly. You know, the, the Navy boys are going to shore and up and yeah. up, but then. <laughs> And so they get into the club, which is called Easy Go-Go, right? Right, yeah. Which is like, sure. okay, that's pretty funny. All right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and they're, they're in the club, right? Yes. And there's a chick there. And that's the main chick of our story. Right? Did you recognize her? No. Did you recognize her pants? I did because they come back next week. That's right. They sure do. Not the identical ones. I double checked. They're not the exact same. No, but I'll tell you what they were. What happened was they made that outfit... And to change that outfit, they just added fringe to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, fringe. It was, pretty, yeah. It, it was crazy to see that outfit and be like, "Wow, that's a really cool outfit." And then in the next movie, be like, "Hey, wait a minute, what mm-hmm. the fuck? There's those crazy pants again." <laughs> I kind of wish that like the wardrobe was almost styled like that, and that that would make the female characters canon. So you could like recognize the female characters if they were like good girls or bad girls by the outfits they wore. But like, oh, she's the bad one because she's wearing the boat neck black satin dress. Or anyway, that, that would, would require, require... To actually give a shit about these. There you go. Yes, that was yeah. exactly what I was about to say. I took the words from my mouth. So let's talk about the. Um... So the titular love machine is a wheel, a wheel of fortune wheel. that the club the owner has that has pictures of a bunch of girls with their measurements and their phone numbers on them. Yeah. And then the guys each, they only have one turn per customer. They spin the wheel and then spin they just wheel. copy down the phone number yeah. and then Fucking weird. try their luck. It's really bad, especially yeah. since in the follow really scene, weird. they're just like, man, we all lucked out. My girl was a dog. And you're like, oh, geez, oh, this movie. Yeah, it was really strange. It, it It's really like the strangest thing about that scene was like watching it, knowing that like, yes, it's a joke. It's supposed to be played for laughs, but you know, in these older movies, there's always some element of truth. There's this cynical overtone. You know, they're making fun of it because it's true. And the idea that, like, just how sad is that for men of, like, 60s and 70s to be sitting around being like, well, no one will love me for who I am, so I guess I'll just spin the wheel of fortune and see what lands on my lap. Like, so depressing. Like, oh my gosh, you poor people. I feel really bad for you. Luckily, we we abandoned his Navy buddies like almost immediately. They don't come back. Yeah, I was really pleased about that because they didn't deserve shit. Okay, we go a bit of time without a song. And then when he is trying to track down Joe, the girl, for information about the boat. Yeah, then we have a fucking fever dream of a song. Do you remember what the title was? Uh, Yoga. Yoga is as yoga does. (laughs) Um, So fucking weird. You can tell that, like, the general population was still, like, really spooked by the people doing yoga. (laughs) Well, okay, I have a note here. This is from our perhaps egregious IMDb facts, but according to IMDb, 
It says, the infamous yoga scene was supposedly added at the instigation of Colonel Tom Parker to make fun of Elvis Presley's recently developed interest in yoga. What a bastard. I know. I, I, I believe that. But th- that that sounds like something that Colonel Tom Parker would do, being the fucking villain that he is. Like, what a, fu- what a villain. Imagine him, like, sitting in his chair being like, oh, Elvis has found something that sustains and fulfills him through these movies that I'm making off of his back well let's see what i can do about that shall i now elvis has to sing a song about how much yoga is stupid yes let's just throw her in here real quick the yoga instructor yeah let's talk about her miss neharina apparently that's elsa lanchester who played the titular bride of frankenstein in 1935 oh nice yeah cool and she has a duet in with elvis in this yeah that's yeah she sings in this one now, I'm not trying to be mean, because I think they did this on purpose. She doesn't do a very good job singing this song. I think she's playing it up for... She's hamming it up, right? Oh, yes. I did not enjoy this scene at all. No. I hated this scene. This is exactly what I was saying. So this scene comes around, and I'm going, oh, God. Yeah. But then, yeah. such whiplash was incurred upon me, because immediately after the closing line of the song, he goes to the very next door, the next room over, and the best scene happens. If this is like the spaghetti? So... <laughs> We don't see. We see a guy up on a ladder, and we see a, a cauldron yeah. with ropes. This is how it like establishing shot cut to him. Oh, I thought it was spaghetti right off the bat. I didn't think. It no, 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 no. This is how they. So then they, he's on this ladder. We don't see what's below. Mm-hmm. He's got the cauldron. Yeah. He pours the cauldron, and then we see that it's full of spaghetti. And then it, we we, we oh, pan down to the spaghetti falling onto this couple that are making out on the top of this the roof of this car. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah. everyone has a moment where they kind of like. Oh, wow. And they clap, clap, clap. And there's a guy in the background to like Elvis's screen right who says, Yeah. Oh, man, that turns me on. (laughs) What the fuck? Clear as day. I I went, Wait, excuse me? I rewound it and played it like five more times. And that is just. God, that's got to be my new fucking ringtone. (laughs) Holy Jesus. Or no, yeah, he just says, Man, that turns me on. So I want to just. Oh, I. I think I do remember that. Yeah, that's hilarious. Like if we were doing what like a YouTube heck? a YouTube edit of it, th- this would crash zoom onto his face, <laughs> like pat, like yes. all blur, like all blurry and pixelated because he's in the background, and it would just be like <laughs> you'd like bit crush the sound, like oh man, that turned me on. Just like, I think the reason why when I fr- was watching this that it didn't hit me the same way that it hit you and has like reflected on me just now is that like. When he says that, I'm just like, I don't know, maybe that's what they said in the 60s. And I just wasn't like actually oh, thinking most about the actual is. words he was saying, right? But just Man, so blatantly with this wording. <laughs> that's the best character in the movie. And we don't even have his name. He's just some background yeah. extra. And like, Godspeed, dude, because that was great. How do you feel about the spaghetti performance, like artistically as an artist? Yeah, did they give... They start talking, right? And they're like, what was that all about? Yeah. And then, but I can't remember yeah. what their like pseudo explanation for how it's yeah. supposed to be about like capitalism or I something. I can't remember, yeah, what it, what is about expressly. But I did actually really enjoy that as an artistic piece. It's, I was like, oh, I mean, this is actually interesting. It's kind of provocative. I'm like, all right, yeah. sure, why not? All right, what's going on? Yeah. I am a big... turns me on. <laughs> <laughs> I love when they do like over-the-top beatnik satire like when it's not even satire almost that's what i really liked about velvet buzzsaw was that they were like let's like 
go further than we need to. And whenever a movie, especially, is visualizing artistic concepts like that and just like force, just really going too far, what they don't realize is that they're actually making an artistic statement by doing that. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I see stuff like that in movies, I'm always like, yeah, this is cool. Let's talk about this for a little while. Let's get into it. What does the spaghetti mean? And is there a difference between the spaghetti that like falls on them and the spaghetti that they're on? Like, because there was, yeah, there's the a the thing. There was already being, spaghetti. Yeah. Was he dumping it like over and over? Because that would make that really cool. Imagine a whole performance exhibition. Like an hour long. Where your job is to just sit and lock lips. Like they weren't even making out. They were frozen in a Yes, kiss. it was like a tableau. And, and then the spaghetti just kept getting dumped on them. I would actually, if I saw that as a performance piece, I would clap. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> and then the later scene of, yes, the automobile mobile. Yeah, I actually liked that as an art installation piece too. Yeah. If I saw that in his, his um, they I didn't like his character. Um, who was a queer-coded character and was kind of, like, snide. I didn't like that. It was bad representation. But nice to see some queer coding in general. Like, this is actually, like, I think the first movie that we get to see a character even queer-coded. Like, I don't think we'll see any, like, actually gay characters in an Elvis movie. But this is the first time that we see one that's obviously coded to be um, representative of a gay person, which is like, oh my god, they're finally here. They're coming. Finally. They're finally here. And they ruined my car. Yeah. Oh, no. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but who cares? Because no, uh, his ride yeah. is way cooler. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the... Uh, it's just, uh, I hate it. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. There's the, And there's also the bikini girls getting all dipped in paint and like rubbing up on a wall or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that was fun. That's the thing. It's like, why couldn't we have just been here the whole movie? Oh, yeah. Just scene after movie. scene of weird art installations. Yeah, it, just, it should just be like Elvis... T- like getting trying to hook up with this girl and she's like really into art so he has to like, yeah oh um you know okay that's fine i really just want to get in your pants but you know whatever yeah i'll go to the art exhibition or, or, or whatever and then she just keeps taking him through like room after room after room of insanely provocative installation and like live art <laughs> And, like, by the end of it, he's like, so what does it mean when they take the car apart, though? I don't understand. And she's like, come back to my apartment and I'll read you some books about, you know, dissecting, you know, the the physical tangentiality of articulation and media. (laughs) Shit like that. That would have been a great movie. Uh, Instead, we got easy come, easy go. Yeah. Oh, wait. Also, during that yoga number, Elvis breaks the fourth wall. Again, that's three movies in a row. He looks at the screen. While he's saying the lyrics of the song, of like, oh, what is this whole yoga business? Yeah. Uh, his, he's, yeah, he's Thanks. just contorting himself. And it, it's the weird choreography in this, too, because it's like a whole production it's number. It's strange. Yeah. Um, so sad. Yeah. Um, the outfits in this movie. I know we're a little getting kind of sure. all over the place, but the outfits in this movie were really cool. Okay. And you know who uh, it is again, because it's Paramount. It's Edith Head. It's, they finally yeah, threw her a bone. And I'm like, oh, look, she's yeah. doing stuff this time, for sure. Yeah, she is. She really is. That one. The 60s. We're the one coat that is black That's and white, right. and it's like a right. big, like spirally yep. pattern almost, but like it's squares. Made of vinyl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's blocks on blocks on blocks on blocks. It's a very cool look, and not just that, but her skirt. She has a skirt that's also a plastic vinyl skirt 
it's yellow and has a black grid pattern on it like props you know i know i've given edith head some shit before i've, I've given her some and that, and that was yeah. not her fault because like yeah. i said she can only do what she can with whatever they're giving her and yeah. this time they're like oh we've got this weird artist commune and she probably her her like eyebrows like what yeah. you tell me she had I a can, fucking big brain moment i yeah. can go crazy all right <laughs> I loved it. It was really fun. Even Villain Girl has like a nice yellow ensemble at one point. Yeah. Right. Oh, wait. Okay. So I've got to continue with these songs. So Yoga is as Yoga does. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Then there is You Gotta Stop. You Gotta. Which was one. Oh, I actually liked that song. That's a pretty fun song. Yeah. He sings into the club. Yeah. This is where we have our, our, our near miss. We, he's about to fight the dude, the like jerk character. Yeah. And then Dodie Marshall, she, uh, Joe, comes yeah, in and pulls him out. onto the dance floor, yeah. I was so like, no we, actually, we actually avoided a fight until the inevitable yeah. punch out at the end. And then a, a further punch out underwater because there's actually two fights. True. Yeah. When he goes back to the artist commune at one point, when they when they now have the news of like we're gonna use the money to build our our art center that we've always wanted. Yeah. There's like so it's so crowded that he's like there's only one way to part this crowd with a song so we can get out of here. Oh and he sings so dumb. sing you children. Weird. And then the last song was called Strange. I'll Take Love, which I don't remember. Yeah, either. it was fine. And there's one song that was cut, which is She's a Machine, which probably just took the place of the love machine. Like they were interchangeable, sure. I guess. Yeah. So there you go. We did it. We did it. Not that many, all things considered. No. We're kind of, yeah. well, you could tell that like he, he's maybe starting to push back and like we're losing more and more songs because yeah. he, he's really just had it with this. Yeah. Elvis didn't look happy in this movie. I don't know if you noticed, but like as soon as he was in the bar, in the first scene in the bar, he did not look impressed about being in this movie yes Very i think Denzo. yes and i think more so even next week we'll, we'll talk about it oh yeah okay so we're gonna we're gonna talk about the actors and the actresses oh yeah we're gonna do it the people who get paid to do this and they get paid probably in like loaves of bread before we get to that i will just say hates. that i have yeah. to make make an i officially on record have to make a correction oh, from last you week fucked up. you fucked up you <laughs> fucked up you <laughs> I am only human, and it was probably inevitable. Oh, you're going to laugh when you find out like the minor oh, error good, I made, good, too. Good, good, good. So excited. we talked about King of the Coral Sea from 1954. Yeah. Chips Rafferty. We were talking about Chips Rafferty. Yeah. And I said it was written and directed. He only wrote, produced, and starred in it. He did not direct it. Okay. The director was a guy named Lee Robinson. They were buddies, and they actually made a few movies together. And uh, another little bonus fact about King of the Coral Sea, it was one of the most commercially successful Australian films in the 1950s. Huh. And the first movie that they did together that Lee Robinson directed and he starred in mm -hmm. was called The Phantom Stockman from 1953. Yeah. And it was the debut film of Jeanette Elphick, a.k.a. Victoria Shaw. She was going, that's her, her born Jeanette Elphick. She went with the stage Those name Victoria Shaw when she yes. started making movies in the States. And she was the star of 1959's The Crimson Kimono with James Shigeta. Yes. Which I watched. Amazing. How is it? It's good. I thought it was going to be more film noir, but then again, I should have known because it's Sam Fuller. He always, he doesn't focus on the genre elements. He focuses on the character elements. And so it's much more like melodramatic, psychological yeah. character piece. But it was it was really well done. Wow. Okay. I'm excited. The, like the mystery at the, the mystery is like an afterthought. Where like at the end, they're like, oh yeah, I guess there was some murder. Uh, oh, that person did it. Okay. And it's like. <laughs> right. Yeah. I see. Meanwhile, James Shigate is just so. like. Uh, I'm conflicted because my partner loves the girl, but I love the girl. And right. and the girl thinks that James Shigeta is conflicted because she's white and he's Japanese, but it has nothing to do with that. Oh. 
there's multiple elements going on that's nice there's a fun artist character in that movie too she's this older woman uh named mac yeah that's a great name who just like makes murals and she's like an alcoholic and it's just like that's fabulous yeah that <laughs> movie that. that movie's great cool but now Glad to hear it back to this film yeah so joe simmington played by dodie marshall she was susan in spin out nice so there was all those girls in Spin Out, but she was the one who ended up joining Elvis's band and taking the place of the drummer Les. Right. Okay. I remember. What did you think of her? Did you like her as an actress? Ah, uh, yeah, she's alright. She. This is her only two films, for Elvis movies. And it. I was gonna say she feels a little bit like a noob. Sure, sure. Like a newbie. Which is fine. Early, yeah, some of the early line delivery in this movie, I yeah. was just like, oh. But it, it kind of like, it mellowed out in the end. Yeah. I think she was in her element when she was playing the artist like in the commune. Yeah, I think so too. And she sure can dance. She can go-go dance, so. Yep. I'm so tired of seeing go-go dancing. <laughs> How unfortunate for you. Because <laughs> we are still in the 60s and that's just what we're going to have. I just, I never really realized... <laughs> How much go-go dancing there was. Like, I'm a jazz person, right? So mm-hmm. when I look back on the 60s and the 50s and the 40s and any of those time periods or whatever, mm-hmm. I-, I don't think of go-go dancing. I think of, you know, Miles Davis, and John Coltrane. That's cool things, that's just you know? too classy cool for these stuff. pictures. No, yeah, fucking weirdos hanging out with their go-go boots and their flopping like a fish i mean don't you remember the only time we've had any jazz was in was was in jailhouse rock where elvis just goes like what the hell are you talking about lady i don't know what the hell you're talking about that was like his mission statement he's like we don't have time for any of this fancy yeah this is rock and roll it was really fun yeah and it It was was pretty fun yeah Yeah. i really like that joke but no i just you know go-go dancing is fine but i don't know man jazz is so much cooler and like oh no i agree it's just it's it's just so hard to like it's such a tragedy for me to like think about jazz and like how cool it is and then have to watch these fucking movies and they're dumb stupid go-go dancing god okay that's enough about go-go dancing uh so yes only these two films she did some tv stuff she was an episode of the man from uncle she was an episode of my favorite martian so but wait can i say a joke go right ahead (laughs) go go more like stop stop All right, all right. As as Elvis sang in this movie, you got to stop. <laughs> yeah, you've got to stop. Okay, so yes, that was Dodie Marshall who played Joe Simmington. What a name. Yeah. Then we get Dina Bishop, the bad girl. Yeah. The actress is Pat Priest. She was in, so I was just looking at all her things and this really jumped out at me. She did like multiple movies, but this one is a 1971 movie called The Incredible Two-Headed Transplant. Okay. It's like a all sci-fi right. monster thing. <laughs> no, 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 but- Wait till you hear the cast because it's Bruce okay. Dern as like the male lead. He's like the titular. He's he's like the what? I don't know who Bruce Dern is. Who is he? Laura Dern's father. But more importantly, he also did a bunch of movies. He's been an actor for a long time. <laughs> what? That's true. It's a fact. Laura Dern, the actress who's a bunch of David Lynch movies. She's the daughter okay. of Bruce Dern. And yeah. Bruce Dern... Did a bunch yeah. of movies, including one of your favorites, The Hateful Eight. He's the old codger. Uh, really? I didn't know that. That's amazing. He returns in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, he gets a little part in there, too. Ah, uh, I just recently watched that, so. Oh, good. Because yeah. last time, yeah, I remember you said you hadn't gone to it yet. I did watch it, yeah. I didn't like it as much as I that's liked fair. stuff, but I guess that's for another podcast. 
this podcast, we talk about how much I don't like Elvis movies. Okay, so yes, Bruce Dern is in it. He's the scientist who creates the <laughs> the weird two-headed transplant, which is, as you would okay. imagine, a big, bulky, dumb weird. guy, and then like yeah, a, and something a criminal who loses his head, and then he puts the head onto the big guy, and so it's a two-headed big man running around Ooh, chasing wonderful. after Pat Priest, who's the wow, main lead. Wow, sounds female. amazing. But you know who wow. else is in this? Casey Kasem. Oh my god. Yes. He's like the Casey Kasem. I know who that is. Okay. I know who it is. Just let me. So we got Bruce Dern as the scientist who makes the creature. Casey Kasem is like the romantic lead who ends up with Pat Priest. Oh my God. Okay. Yes. Casey Kasem. He's the voice for Shaggy, isn't he? And uh, and he was a radio personality. He did like the the billboard. That was his big thing. Was that he was the radio guy. But But he did also. Fact was that he's done like all of the Shaggy voices up until Matthew Lillard took over. Yes. Yeah. He's retired now. Actually, he passed away a few years ago. Yes, he did. Um, Rest in peace. No, yeah, he's delightful. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I guess he must have had like a short bit part, like an acting career. And yeah, this is one of the few roles. So, yes, that's okay. That's why I had to like stop everything. You don't understand. (laughs) When I saw this, I'm like, wait, what is going on here? Bruce Dern, (laughs) Casey Kasem. What is this movie? 1971. Anyways, let's move on to Judd Whitman, the character of Judd. He's the buddy who owns the club. Yep. He's got a sweet goatee. Like yeah, yeah. He's kind of got the whole vibe. He's a cool character. Does he actually play a trumpet? I don't think so. I could not find any. Oh, that's too bad. But he's Guys played. Guys who play the trumpet are cool. Yeah. He's played by actor Pat Harrington Jr. Yeah. So this guy in 1980 won the Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actor in a Television Series for One Day at a Time. Mm-hmm. And in 84, he won the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series for One Day at a Time. Mm. You know what would have been a really good joke to say here? It would have been for me to be like, Pat harrington jr who's he and then you should have said he's the son of pat harrington senior and then it would have been a little callback well you 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 say that's a joke but it's true and also pat harrington senior was an actor as well oh so nice looks like you were the one (laughs) who's just learned something (laughs) Woo! (laughs) pretty sure pretty sure the majority of this podcast is me learning about actors who i forget until the next podcast so he had a small part as the moderator. There's like a quiz show in the climax of the movie, the 1969 movie, The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes. Oh, I, I remember hearing about this movie. Yes, this is part of a series of Disney films starring Kurt Russell, who of course co-starred with Elvis in right. It Happened at the World's That's Fair. That's right, yeah. This is the one. So he played a character named Dexter Riley. He's like his student at this school. And so there's a bunch of misadventures. But the first movie was The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes, where because of an accident, he has like a computer brain suddenly. And now he's like super smart. Right. And so there's a big quiz bowl at the end. And the moderator of it is Pat Harrington Jr. Uh, I see. And now, if you'll allow me, we're going to get on to Gil, <laughs> Gil Carey, the actor, the bad guy, dude. Yeah. And tuck your kids in bed because things are about to get spicy when I talk about the things that this guy, Skip Ward, did. Yeah. So he was a producer on some stuff, right? So nothing too okay. risque yet. Producer on the Dukes of Hazzards, actually, from 1979 to 85. That's how it all began. And from that moment, he descended into a deviling of dervish debauchery and sin. So he was a production coordinator for some ABC sports programs that were produced by Andy Sidaris. And this is important because this is when he met Andy Sidaris and thus Andy Sidaris. If you don't know the name, I, I'm so, I was so excited excited that i get to talk about this because okay i'm excited like i'm not i don't love everything but there's some things that i really really love and this, when yeah, you, know. you'll know when you see it or I when do. you hear it yeah and i love andy sadars okay this okay. guy started started his his days as like a sportscaster doing programs for you know abc sports and all this stuff 
whatever. Yeah. But he went on to direct a bunch of schlocky 80s movies. He would cast Playboy Playmates as the main actresses in these movies, get him topless as, okay. as much as possible, put a bunch of explosions, put a really nonsensical plot, and just string it together. And he did that about 12 times. And every single one is amazing. I have a question. Is this by any chance the guy that directed the movie with the frisbee that has razors on it and it chops off the guy's head? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, how did I know that? <laughs> See, I can remember some things. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm really excited. Hard Ticket to Hawaii is the film you were speaking of. It's probably his magnum opus. That's actually the second one. So he actually peaked early, but all of his movies are are worth watching. (laughs) Old Skip Ward here appeared as a character named Skip. So he's borderline just playing himself, I guess. (laughs) In three of these movies, he was in... 1991's Do or Die, okay. which co-starred Pat Morita. It's funny how many, like, Pat Morita who played Mr. Miyagi in The Karate Kid. Oh, okay. He got dragged into one of these, and he has a sex scene and everything. It's crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Jesus. Jesus. But think about it. Think about it. You're an older character actor. Andy Sidaris comes up to you says, yo, I got a bunch of Playboy Playmates and also a bunch of money, and you <laughs> want to be in this movie? And, and then, why would you say no? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. So 1991's Do or Die. He's in 1993's Hard Hunted <laughs> and 1993's Fit to Kill. Jesus Christ. That's amazing. And if that wasn't enough. I mean, it definitely was, but go on. <laughs> I know, I'm not done yet. Go, go off, man. <laughs> so those are like films with big air quotes, which are just showcases for borderline. Well, not even borderline, just like softcore pornography. Yeah. But then he straight up just went over and was a co-producer on some straight-to-video Playboy specials. Oh. Specifically, Playboy Erotic Fantasies 1 through 4. Oh, Okay. Do the Playboys, do, like, like Playboys, like, make actual porn? Like, I actually don't know. These ones were all, these were, these ones, no, these are still on the, the like soft softcore core style, like. Yes. There were, there were, these, these, these straight to video things were just like a series of vignettes. So you would have like, okay. oh, we're in a farm and it's a ranch girl now. Oh, we're here and it's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I had to do a lot of research for important research. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you fucking did. <laughs> don't, I want to hear about your okay let's move on to captain jack okay who like he kept flip-flopping i liked the character and i liked the performance but there was parts where it was a little it was going too far yeah it's yeah there was some parts that were fun and like sloppy like like um how should i say like you know they were hamming it up a lot which sometimes is not that bad sometimes it's kind of like oh this is sweet wholesome right sure and then sometimes it's like knock it off like when you think about it his his if you play the backstory really straight, that his character was the host of a children's show where he played the titular Captain Jack and he was like a boat captain who would tell them stories. And now he's like retired and like he just, for his own amusement, like creates these super elaborate like setups yeah. for himself so he can like relive his glory days. It's like really sad, but they're just like, look at this strange. goofy dude. It's really strange. And he's got this whole phobia about water, which uh, luckily yeah. that's the one thing that comes out of this is his character arc is complete when he he gets over his phobia because the bad guys force him to go on a boat and then he's all like, yay, I'm yeah. out on the water, hooray. But yeah, like we're introduced to him and he is wearing a diving helmet, which has like, you know, soap bubbles coming out of it and stuff. And he's like d- d- done this whole background with like fish and it's underwater. And then the next time you see him, he's wearing a full like yellow, you know, parka thing. Really and, and there's like a shower head that's spraying water and he's pretending he's, it's 
super weird. It's really strange. Honestly, know, like, it's super weird that that never crosses over with the art people, right? That is weird. That should be, yeah, that seems like the logical conclusion to that character is that he becomes like a permanent installation. If I was rewriting this movie, I mean, why wouldn't you like... Why wouldn't you? In the version that just focused on art, he would just be another performance artist and then it would have totally yeah, all would still worked. Cool. I would love that. Bono. We can't have anything nice, Matt. No, we can't. Stop wishing, accept the fact of the truth of the matter of the reality that is that we don't have any control over anything in our lives at all. Least of all, Elvis movies. All right, all right. Let's not focus on that. Let's let's go back to Frank McHugh, the actor who plays Captain Jack. <laughs> if we just don't think about it, then we don't have to think about it. We already talked about Elsa Lanchester, who plays... The Bride of Frankenstein was the co-constructiveness. So this is the last actor yeah. I'm talking about. Then we're done with these people. All right. So Frank McHugh, who plays Captain Jack, 173 credits. This was his last film. He uh, did some TV and then retired in 1969. Yeah, okay. So here's the thing. Yeah. He had a supporting role as the character Wendy in Mighty Joe Young from 1949. Okay. You familiar with Mighty Joe Young? You might know because no, of the remake. I, I know of it, but not really. So there was the remake with a young Charlize Theron, and it's about a big, like, gorilla this was made by some of the same people who did King Kong in 33. Right. I was just going to say, sounds a little bit like King Kong. But this was the first film that Ray Harryhausen worked on. Oh, God. There's a name I haven't heard in so long. Harryhausen? This was his first thing. And so he was mentored under Willis O'Brien, who did the stop motion animation for the original King Kong in 33. Okay. And when this movie comes around, Willis O'Brien is still credited, but he was busy doing other technical things. So technically, Harryhausen did like 85, 90% of the animation on Mighty Joe Young. Wow. That's crazy. And it's a lot more sophisticated than King Kong. There's yeah. a lot more nuance and more character so. stuff. Yeah. So like, I mean, yeah, we're like over a decade later. So yeah, there's- it's, been, it's been a while, you know. Right. So just, just you know, shout out to Mighty Joe Young, which is underappreciated, I think, as far as okay. these things. Everyone talks about King Kong, King, yeah. King Kong this. This is like the nicer, funner King Kong, where he doesn't just die at the end by getting shot by planes. It's like more of a kid's picture. Oh, that's nice. Okay. He also had a supporting role. In a 1940... 1940- gorilla? No. no. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <sighs> I got him! <laughs> Actor Frank McHugh also had a supporting role in a 1947 movie called... Easy Come, Easy Go. Oh, that's weird. Which has like, a subplot a about recovering a sunken treasure from a wreck. That's really strange. Are they stealing movies again? Are they this stealing? isn't a remake because that movie was all about some Irish family. And in fact, at the time was a film that had employed the most Irish actors in like a production at that time or something. Hmm. Okay. Easy Come, Easy Go from 1947. He played the character of Carrie in that. Strange. But yeah, this is going back to my free podcast idea that someone else can take because I don't want to do it, is mm. the like comparing yeah. films with the same name. This might be the only time that an actor is in both films. Oh, interesting. Okay. Do you want to hear... Let's change Let's change yeah. the pace. Do you want to hear Roger Ebert's review of this film? Yes, I do. I'd love to hear when he's, when he's mad at people for making a bad movie. So I, I didn't even think about this, but in my research, he only ever reviewed two Elvis movies. And considering this is the first one he reviewed, I'm shocked he actually bothered reviewing a second one. Yeah, we'll that get to actually that. makes us better than Roger Ebert because we actually took the time and the effort to very carefully articulate our review of these movies. It might have something to do with the fact that he literally only started reviewing movies in 1967. Oh, yeah, I guess that has something to do with it. Yes, which I was going to get to, <laughs> but you just wanted to really jump, jump ahead. I'm excited. Okay, so this is a one-star review. <laughs> if you go to Roger Ebert's website today, like I checked again, yeah. there's a section called 
Roger Ebert's most hated list. Oh. And this movie's on it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I'm going to read this whole thing. It's not actually that long. He could be pretty verbose, but he's keeping it pretty short and sweet for this. Okay. So this is Roger Ebert's one-star review published June 6, 1967, 12 days shy of his 25th birthday. Oh. That's the thing. He started, like, I mean, obviously, yeah, he came out of school. He was a young guy, so he was just getting started yeah, doing movie reviews. Yeah, he's pretty young. 25. Not, not even. He was 24 when he wrote this review. This was actually his 18th review overall. If you go to his archive on his website and sort by date, this was only the 18th review he ever wrote, like, professionally for the Chicago Sun-Times when he became their main mm. film critic. Okay. Okay. Also, I got him. I'm the last paragraph. He really goes after Elvis personally. He attacks him. Oh, that's not nice. I know. Elvis is, you know, that's not. He's nice. still a young guy. Elvis Maybe he had something to prove. Part. I'm not. I, I'm not saying he's perfect. There's plenty of things I've disagreed with on for Rod Rebert. Yeah. He's, but he is like the best known of critics. You know, like he's just that guy yeah. that like if you think of a film critic, people are, it's like him and Pauline Kael. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. Here it is. Let me confess at once that I have no credentials for reviewing a movie by Elvis Presley. Although I belong to the correct generation, having arrived at age 13 simultaneously with the release of Heartbreak Hotel, I never went to a single Presley movie, and I never, not even once, not even for Hound Dog, bought a single Elvis Presley record. So right off the bat, he's establishing, like, he's not even a fan. Doesn't like Elvis? What a fucking loser. No, just kidding. So he says, even then, I knew Julie London had a better voice, and she certainly has sexier album covers. It's because she has boobies. Elvis doesn't have any boobies, and so he can't be as sexy as Julie London. You would like her. She's more jazzy. I do like her. She's oh. fabulous. Okay. But I'm just saying it's unfair of Roger E. Roger. Of course it is. Like Roger. I said, this is he's a young guy. He's still throwing his biases he's all up in this place. Meanie. All right, let's do it. Let's go. So it was that I went this weekend to Easy Come, Easy Go with heavy heart and faltering step. What was the use of having avoided Elvis so long if it finally came to this? Why did I stay home when the gang went to GI Blues only to see a Latter-day Elvis in a Latter-day version of the same bloody thing? <laughs> but I went. It was my duty, and I did it. I went to my neighborhood theater, and I went inside for the Saturday matinee, and I sat down with the kids and the teenage couples, and I saw the movie. And if you think this has all been an elaborate buildup for some unexpected surprise like I liked it, you're wrong. I was miserable from beginning to end. <laughs> There is such a thing as a good movie musical. Singing in the Rain, maybe. Or West Side Story. His words, not mine. I'm just saying. <laughs> and there is such a thing as a good low-budget film exploiting currently popular singers. A Hard Day's Night, for example, which slipped up and became great instead of merely good. <laughs> and then I suppose there must be such a thing as a Presley movie like this one, obviously produced with a minimum of care, with the sole purpose of contriving a plot, any plot, to fill in between when Elvis sings. Accurate. Yeah. The plot this time is that Elvis is a Navy diver who discovers buried treasure. After his discharge, he teams up with his old buddy who runs a go-go joint in order to get the treasure. They form an alliance with a Zen chick who unwinds from the lotus position long enough to supply her grandfather's map. He owned the ship. Then they go after the treasure, and after an underwater struggle with another broad's muscular boyfriend, Elvis wins it. And then, but I don't want to spoil the suspense. <laughs> Elvis looks, here it is. <laughs> then the final paragraph really hammers it all home. Elvis looks about the same he always has with his chubby face, petulant scowl, and absolutely characterless features. Oh. Here is one guy the wax museums will never have trouble getting right. Oh. Savage. <laughs> Roger. Yeah. That's not nice. No. Nothing wrong with Elvis. Leave him be. It's like Britney. Leave him alone. <laughs> Last sentence. He sings a lot, but I don't want to go into that. What I will say, however, is that after two dozen movies, he should have learned to talk by now. <laughs> It's the same old slur we heard many years ago on the Ed Sullivan show. Yeah, it's true. That is true. There you go. That was the, uh, that's the one-star Roger Ebert review for Easy Come, Easy Go. 
And it was pretty harsh, man. That did not pull any punches. No. That guy's mad. That guy's as mad as we are that we had to watch 31 Elvis movies, but he only had to watch one. <laughs> so do you have anything else to say? We will throw in some factoids, yeah. but I will allow you to. Yeah, I have something to say. I'm glad Roger Ebert died. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm actually not. He's actually a really good film critic. Yeah, he was like the people's like critic. You know, he was an average Joe. Yeah. That was always the kind of vibe you got. Yeah, I think people especially liked him because of his really hard-hitting reviews. He didn't, yes, he didn't really his care. review he didn't of care about people's feelings. His review of Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo, is a work of art. It is so good. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. If for if for nothing else, stop what you're doing and read his review because it's it's so good. Let's do a podcast where we just read different reviews by him but we'll read them in funny voices mm-hmm. so now who's the one who's coming up with new podcast ideas <laughs> well i'll just want to point out that my podcast ideas don't take the majority of my time and effort to research and articulate on another podcast that took so much time and effort and research to articulate like i literally said one line just now and i don't have to do any research and i can just let it float off into the wind so who has the real problem it's like if i listen i eat a bubblegum wrapper or a bubblegum wrapper i eat a stick of bubblegum that gum, explains a lot i think now that i <laughs> i eat a stick of bubblegum and you bust through the door with like 40 bubblegum wrappers sticking to you and like bubblegum in your fucking hair being like see now who eats bubblegum <laughs> I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> and all out of bubblegum. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it for this movie, I think. I've said okay. everything that... So here's some noteworthy factoids then. Much, okay. Most of these I've already said. It's on Roger Ebert's most hated list. The yoga scene was apparently Colonel Tom Parker's idea. This was the last film that he did for Paramount and Hal Wallace as a producer. This is the only Elvis Presley film that is a ballad-free soundtrack. We mentioned that. Yep. So even the Flaming Star EP had the cut song Summer Kisses, Winter Tears. True. And even Charo, which literally only had the title song, there was a cut song called Let's Forget About the Stars. Both of those were ballads. Right. The soundtrack for this movie was released on a seven-inch EP. It sold less than 30,000 copies, making it the worst-selling record that Elvis ever released for RCA Victory. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then the other big interesting thing is that Paramount had originally begun filming a movie with this title starring surf rock musicians Jane and Dean in August 1965. Oh, that's really interesting. But production was canceled following a serious accident involving Jan Barry and 13 others during a train wreck scene in early days of filming. Holy Jesus. So they kind of just halted all that. And then the studio just used the same title with a completely different plot for an Elvis movie two years later. Weird. Yeah. Neat. And I save the best for last. Okay. Allegedly. Allegedly. Jackie Chan visited Elvis during the making of Easy Come, Easy Go on Paramount Studio Lot. That's interesting. Allegedly. Allegedly. There's been so many of these where they said like, oh yeah, Marilyn Monroe visited him on the set. Oh yeah, Jackie Chan visited him. And I'm like, I didn't, I can't find any pictures. You know, I don't know. Anybody can say anything on IMDb. There was actually a photoshopped image of Elvis and Bruce Lee that was going to making the rounds a while back. Yeah. That that wasn't real. (laughs) I I remember that. It's not true. Yeah. But you understand that, like, yeah, he was really big into martial arts, so it's feasible, maybe. Yes, yeah. They were both in, in and around the same circles. But wait a minute, actually. Yeah? Jackie Chan in 1967, like, he was still doing... Martial arts? But why was he in America? Because he loves America. And he loves the American people. Because, like, he worked as a stuntman... With Bruce Lee yeah. in 1973's Enter the Dragon, and that was that's still like I don't think he was in America before the like the 70s. Yeah, I think I really don't think so. I think he was still making a lot of 
he was still in like Chinese production. I think, unless you can prove it otherwise, I'm calling BS on this IMDb thing. Yeah. Even though I really wanted to believe come, it. Come fight us, random man on IMDb who alleges that Jackie Chan or woman or anyone can edit a horse, a dog. We don't know. It's the internet. It's a new crazy age. The point is, I am ready to fight you. You can meet me outside your nearest Denny's location. Um, no guns. Only, only you can bring a sword. Are you okay, Matt? Yes. No, I'm just looking. (laughs) Matt's lost in reading facts. Do you want to wrap up this episode and we can let the lovely people get back to the day? Yeah, because there's nothing left to read. I was just double checking that I hit everything that I want to talk about. (laughs) Okay. All right. If I was going to throw one last thing, I could mention that King of the Coral Sea also involves deep diving and there's some cool underwater photography in that movie. I should hope so. It's about the Coral Sea, for Pete's sake. Yeah, it was all shot on location off the coast of Australia, and it looks really good. Wow-wow-wee-woo. Wabba-dabba-ding-dong. That sounds amazing. Are you ready to call this an episode? Final Matt? thoughts. Let's wrap it up. We've Okay, not that we haven't done final thoughts like twice now, but my final thoughts is that this movie was fine and manageable, and I could watch it again, but I don't want to watch it again. That's fair enough. Matt, what are your final thoughts? Do you have anything else to say? I've said all there is. Okay. This movie is yet another Elvis picture. Yeah. But we are getting there. We are it sure is. almost home free. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm going to do with my life when this is over. I have no idea. I can't even think about this being over. You know, it's crazy. And we're sure that you guys at home can't stop thinking about what your life might be like when this is over, too. So we hope you'll join us again next week when we watch Clambake, a movie where Elvis learns how to be a chef. <laughs> Man, I wish. <laughs> I wish. Thank you so much for joining us, folks. Um, you can't subscribe to us, I guess, but you can follow us on Twitter and you can- Elvis has left pod. Yep. You can follow us on Podbee, make funny comments on our neglected Facebook page, Elvis has left the movies, and you can have a nice day and you can have a lovely time. And you don't have to succumb to the void. And you can have a future in a world with Elvis movies. And everything will be okay. And we love you. And we hope you have a good day. Really turn it all around at the end. <laughs> good job. Okay. Uh, with that, we say thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. Thank you very, very much. much.